It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome back to Signal Boost. I'm Zelina Maxwell. It's 8 o'clock on the East Coast, and it is Thursday, August the 12th. For those keeping track at home, we like to do that here because it's a pandemic. Someone's got to. I honestly sometimes do not know what day it is, <laughs> so I, I appreciate um, when whenever I can get that as a marker down. Uh, joining us on the phone is one of our favorite guests, Congressman Mark Vesey of Texas. Good morning, Congressman. How are Good you doing? Good morning, y'all. How's it going? You know, we're hanging in there. We're we're a little bit frustrated yeah. with the world right now. Um, not because we have to be inside or because we're in the pandemic. I think we're used to that part of it. It's the yeah. our fellow man. <laughs> we're having a bit of <laughs> bit of trouble. Um, I my first question isn't about voting rights or any of the the policy issues, but I am having trouble on a human level understanding. Governors like Greg Abbott, governors like Ron DeSantis right now, who are banning people from implementing safety guidelines, like public health measures. And that feels different than any other moment in politics for me. Does it feel that way for you? Yeah, it does, it does feel that way. And I think it just shows how far, you know, how how sadly how we've kind of, you know, uh, digressed in this country. It's really sad. I mean, if you think about Greg Abbott, it's really, you know, it's especially sad when you consider he just sent out an SOS yesterday, day before yesterday, begging for doctors and nurses to come to Texas because our hospitals are are now being overrun with COVID cases of people that are unvaccinated. Uh, and then you're going to say that schools can't mandate masks, that parents can't know when their kids have been in the same classroom or the same school with someone that was recently diagnosed uh, positive with COVID and you're playing all these games and you're doing this and acting the fool with Ron DeSantis so you can try to position yourself for 2024 and that's what it's all about uh, it's really sad I mean if you know and if you think about the fact um, of in our our country back in the 1940s during World War II when people were made were asked to make huge sacrifices that they had never made before. We were asked not to hoard things. We were asked to conserve energy, to turn off lights, uh, to protect uh, the homeland just in case there were, you know, bombings. Uh, we asked, uh, you know, women that had never worked in heavy-duty industry before. They became rosy derivatives and went and worked at defense plants in places like Fort Worth, where I'm from. And no one talked about, oh, my rights, I don't have to go do this, or I don't have to turn my lights out, or, and I don't need to conserve it. Like, no one said anything like that. Like, everybody pushed in the same direction. At the same time, when we had, you know, massive segregation, legalized segregation, the armed forces themselves were segregated. But black Americans, we, we gladly participated in doing our part to make sure that America was moving in the same direction on the war effort. And now we're trying to fight this war against COVID and people are just, are, are just acting a fool and they're totally misconstruing 
these terms, these precious terms like freedoms and rights and, and, and trying to pretend like as if theirs are being taken away because they were asked to wear a damn mask. No, Zerlina and I were heavy into that metaphor at the beginning of the pandemic when it felt like the people who wouldn't who wouldn't abide by the the lockdown restrictions or the mask mandates when those started happening. It was like the people in London during the air raids who wouldn't turn their lights off. Like there was nobody on the block who was like, screw you guys. I don't care if the planes see us. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to turn my lights on. I'm going to have a party like I want to make sure that the planes can see us like no one did that. So. So what happened? Like, is it is it our leadership or is it our culture? Like, where? How did we get from a place where we could pull together to fight an enemy that was not on our shores on on behalf of populations that we were not entirely okay with in this country? It's not like we were great with you know anti-Semitism in America in the 1940s, but we were we were able to do it. Now, you know, 56 years later we have an enemy on our shores actively killing people in America who are not soldiers. Like it's right here and it's affecting us, not it's affecting every single person, not just one marginalized population that you may or may not care about because you're kind of a bigot. Like it affects you. This should be easier, right? Like this should be an easier sell to the American people than what they went through in world war II. And somehow it's harder. So, you're in government. <laughs> is it is yeah. it leadership or is it us or is it both? I think that's, I, I, you know, I think that it was it was going downhill before Trump. Let me just say that. But I think that he made things a lot worse. And when you think about leaders in this country, even in great times of divide, uh, if you go back to the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln, great leaders of this country, when they see that type of divide opening up, Instead of trying to exploit it for political gain, they try to look for ways to bring the country together. Where Trump purposely said he is going to try to create a us versus them America, and he did it with this virus to the point where he was pretending like he wasn't even that sick uh, when he was when he was uh, taking a Walter Reed hospital. You remember him getting on the right. helicopter and, and banging on the door with his fist to let people know that he was okay when he could actually barely breathe. Uh, and he set the tone uh, uh, for this level of stupidity and defiance that we're seeing. He was the one that set the tone for people, you know, not, you know, using basic logic and just saying, yeah, we probably need to wear a mask. We need to protect our children. Look at the city council person in Dickinson, Texas, that had been putting videos up uh, all week uh, about, mask and about uh, not getting vaccinated and then he gets COVID and literally dies days later it's really sad uh, you know to think about that someone you know he had a young family young kids wife he was only in his uh, early mid 40s and that people are have bought into this nonsense to the point uh, that uh, that they just won't be rational about anything and 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 again I think that it was kind of I think social media has made it worse Social media is, is terrible because, you know, there are a lot of issues that we work on in Congress and that we work on as a, as a country that are um, uh, that are that, that are much more complicated than social media and 140 yes. characters will ever uh, let people you know understand. And so, you know, we work on these issues, but people have, uh, put these very clear lines. You're either on this side of the line or that side of the line. 
Uh, and some of these things that we work on are super complex and they're not that easy. Uh, and, and then, and then I think too, you know, the nationalization of politics and look, I love my cable news, right? I, I love watching, uh, the, uh, my favorite, uh, cable news shows. Uh, but you know, when I was growing up in Fort Worth, you know, there was the, the person that was the, 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 the voice in our house was a black woman by the name of Iola Johnson. She was the first black anchor uh, in, in the DFW Metroplex back in the mid-1970s, late-1970s. And so when I was a little kid, we watched our local ABC affiliate so we could see Iowa Johnson. And we also kept up with the local news. My kid doesn't know who the local news person is because everything's mm-hmm. become nationalized. And when things become nationalized, people forget that you have certain industries in your state that are unique to your state. You have certain history in your state and in your local communities that are unique to that. And, 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 and it's not all about how people in D.C. line up on these issues, but, you know, our representatives are supposed to go and represent our local interest in government, our state interest in government, uh, before they uh, start picking sides on these, you know, on some of these more complex national issues and People have gotten away from it. People don't even care. People don't care if they even lose their jobs now. Uh, they care about their person being on the right side of these national issues. And I think it really is uh, going to be a huge test for democracy and a huge test for our country. But we have to make sure that we, the people, don't ever allow someone like Donald Trump to become president again that will look to exploit those issues that are already that we're already having trouble with. We need someone that will look for ways to bring us together uh, nationally and not continue to rip us apart. And that's what's scary because this guy's talking about running again. And if he doesn't, look at the clowns that want to replace him, Ron DeSantis mm-hmm. uh, and Greg Abbott that thinks that, that are trying to convince people that they don't need to wear a mask at the same time begging for doctors and nurses to come into our state to help out because we're being overrun with COVID cases. So this is a perfect segue because the only way out of this, it really, really seems, is to vote our way out of it. And Republicans seem to understand that because they're doing everything they can to stop as many of us as possible from voting. So walk us through what the Texas Supreme Court just did and what that means to the future of our freedom to vote. First of all, let me give a shout out to my good friend, Carol Everardo, state senator. We were in the state house together. Mm-hmm. And to see Carol filibustering and taking the stance that she is, man, I'm just so proud of her. She's doing the right thing. She's standing up for her constituents. She's standing up for voter rights. It's, it's clearly a, a, a play uh, because Republicans did a lot worse than they ever thought they were going to do. And now, with the exception of the county that I live in, Tarrant County, they're not carrying any of the large counties. They're starting to lose more and more suburbs, rural Texas which is probably going to see when the census numbers come out later today, probably going to see that there's been another decrease in the population uh, in rural Texas and the overall population of whites in, in, in the state. And Republicans are starting to panic. So instead of reaching out to these communities, because they're afraid if they reach out to these communities, that they're going to alienate the type of people that stormed the Capitol on January the 6th. So they don't want to reach out in earnest to black and Hispanic constituents because they don't want to turn off the January the 6th crowd. Uh, so they so they say, hey, you know what? We're going to devise these voting laws to discourage people uh, uh, from going to vote. And let me tell you this. This is not going to be the end. 
this is not going to be the end. And I want people to think about what Lee Atwater uh, said before he passed away when he was talking about how you talk about race now, saying that you can't say the N-word anymore after 1968. You couldn't say that anymore, and so you had to say things like busing in order to make people understand that you were talking about uh, these racial issues and that you were talking poorly about black people. The Republicans have learned that lesson very well, and so they're never going to say things like literacy tests uh, and poll tax but I guarantee you that you're going to see more efforts like poll taxes, like, for instance, in Texas, in order to get one of the in order to vote. Instead of being given a free voter registration card now, you have to go and pay for a certain form of ID. Uh, uh, and so, you know, it's little things like that, that that start to make people say, well, maybe I shouldn't even vote. And I and and, and you wait and, and I guarantee you that their next move. They're not going to call it a literacy test because, again, they learn from Atwater. So they're not going to say that. But there will be a civics test. And the Mm -hmm. same sort of, you know, deadpan, you know, stupid rationale that they give behind voter ID when they say, well, you need an ID to get on a plane and you need an ID to rent a video, as if anybody even still goes and rents (laughs) damn videos. But they still keep using the example. Um, You're going to see them say, well, this is this is not a Jim Crow literacy test. It's just a civics test. Everybody should know who the first president of the United States was. Everybody should be able to name one framer of the Constitution before they vote. Like, you're going to see them try and continue to raise this bar, especially because they know that the Supreme Court's been stacked and that it could end up being 7-2. Uh, because, I, because and, and mark my words on this. Remember, you heard it here first. If something were to happen to, to one of the Supreme Court justices uh, and, the, and the Republicans were to take the Senate back, Mitch McConnell would let that seat stay vacant for two years. I promise you, all this, all this, 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 this moral uh, uh, chest pounding that he's doing, talking about you don't want to get rid of the filibuster to be the worst thing that you ever did, and he's trying to lecture the American people. Let me tell you something, that man would keep that seat vacant for two years so they could go seven two and they could roll back voting rights in this country even more than they already are now believe that when i tell you the other and and part of what i've i've i think come to understand in a much more comprehensive way is the plan uh like what they're doing um long term because their act, their actions outside of that context make no sense. It's like, why would you kill off your voters? That seems like a bad move, and math-wise, right? You wouldn't want people to die in large numbers and then have an election. That seems like a bad move. Or you wouldn't want to make decisions that upset people so much that they're literally, like, you know, storming down the street to go vote you out. Um, but they're passing laws so that we don't have that ability, that no matter what they do, no matter how egregious, they're restricting our ability to vote them out. And I've I've now sort of started saying election subversion instead of voter suppression because I think it's a it's both of those Ooh, I like things. That. Um, yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? That they're changing the rules of how the votes are counted. They're they're like putting in their own referees and rigging the game. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, think about it in Texas with this voting law. If there's a close election, they want people to be able to go to a judge uh, and get the election overturned if there are claims of, quote unquote, voter fraud. What judge in Texas is going to rule on the side? Look at this. Look at this kangaroo court that we have at the state Supreme Court now. Like, it's a joke. Like, there's no law that says that uh, that that the that DPS can uh, arrest state legislators. Those are House rules. There's there's literally no law uh, that says that law enforcement, that, that the executive branch uh, should be able to send uh, their enforcement mechanism out to bring state legislators that represent the legislative branch back to the Capitol. There's nothing in law that says that. Those That's why the last federal rules. judge said that was illegal. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, they're they're they are going to continue uh, uh, to make this thing harder uh, uh, because and, and they're not going to have any sort of shame about it uh, because uh, they want to run things the way that they want to without the input of people that are black and brown that are the growing numbers in the state of Texas. Uh, and again, they want to try to keep. Uh, this segment of the population happy, this January the 6th segment of the population and people that, you know, have empathy for what happened on January the 6th and that believe the big lie, they want to keep this group happy. When Richard Nixon uh, said in a private meeting once uh, that you actually have to keep the affirmative action programs and title uh, 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 nine programs uh, around, uh, because you have to have something to use as a wedge. Otherwise, he said, mm-hmm. these, these white constituents would start voting Democratic again. And I think we're, what, what Republicans know now is that these people are, are, are largely motivated by race and a racial caste system that we've had in this country for a long time. They want to maintain that. Uh, and, uh, and the Republicans... I think that if they were to cut this nonsense out and actually start to reach out to communities of color and reach out to blacks and Latinos and and start to look for ways uh, to, uh, uh, to 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 reach out to our communities, that they would just alienate these people and they would probably just stop voting. And they just don't want to risk that. And so they would rather cut off our access to the ballot and they're going to get more aggressive about it. People need to stop. Uh, you know, I keep seeing these articles saying that, well, the voter ID didn't, you know, do as it wasn't as bad as people said that it was going to be. And, you know, this this isn't really going to be that bad. And and all they're doing is just they're 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 at stepping up the game more and more. And when I when I left the legislature and came to Congress, I my, one of my one of my last committee assignments was the election committee. And there was a Republican group called the King Street Patriots that said, they wanted to be able to record people voting so they could capture voter fraud. And when I would tell people that story over the years, people was like, oh, that's, that'll never happen. You're blowing that way out of proportion. That's ridiculous. Well, guess what? It was in this bill that they're trying to pass now. Mm-hmm. They had had it in the original and the Senate version of the bill that would have allowed poll watchers to record people while they were voting with their, with their, with their uh, uh, cell phones. So think about that. I mean, they're just going to continue to get more and more and more and take away 
more and more of our voting rights as the years go on and the population decreases, especially in a state like Texas, where we're getting so many people from California and other places moving here that are rapidly shifting the, 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 the political dynamics of the state. We have 180 people a day moving to Austin. Wow. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, our state is, is growing rapidly, and the Republicans know this, and they're scared. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does this mean for the Texas legislators who fled to, to prevent the quorum to save voting rights? Like, are, are they saying, because now we're in the, the land of like, well, none of this should be legal. So I guess, you know, who knows what happens next? But like now that the Supreme Court has said, sure, Republicans, you can use the law enforcement mechanism of the state to arrest your colleagues. Does that mean that like, Texas police departments go to D.C. or wherever they are and and forcibly bring them back home? Does that mean if they come back to Texas, they are arrested when they set foot in the state? Like what what does it mean for them now? Yep, you know, back in 2003, we did have legislators that were arrested that didn't leave that didn't uh, uh, leave state lines. And so you may recall that House members mm-hmm. back in 2003 went to Oklahoma, went to Ardmore, Oklahoma specifically, uh, and state senators went to Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, where there were Democratic governors that wouldn't work with law enforcement to extradite. Had they gone to Louisiana, you know, or had they gone to, you know, uh, uh, you know, one of the other Texas uh, states or, or Arkansas, where there was a Republican governor, uh, then those people would have worked with law enforcement and they would have extradited them. And so that was why they, you know, didn't go to those places. And so if they're in D.C., the attorney general, uh, and yes, D.C. does have an attorney general. People don't think that, that they do, but they do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the attorney general in D.C. Um, would not uh, extradite the um, uh, the Texas members back there. They wouldn't work with Texas law enforcement or the public, uh, Department of Public Safety to bring them back to Texas. But once people come back on their own, uh, they will either go straight to the state capitol uh, and be locked in the chamber, or they will be picked up at their residence or whatever place that they may happen to be, uh, and they will be uh, uh, taken, uh, you know, in and and uh, and forced to you know vote on these things. It feels it feels so much like were i mean i we talk a lot about you know voting rights and we reference the civil rights movement and selma and we we've lived through all of the recent 50 year anniversaries um i think we're at like 56 now um, for most of those major civil rights milestones um but it also feels like we've erased much of that progress and i do you get do you think that we're pre-Edmund Pettus? Because I feel like with the gutting of the Voting Rights Act by the Supreme Court, plus these new laws, I feel like we're back back before many of those folks crossed that bridge. And I'm not sure that's sunk in yet, that that's, that's how big this emergency is. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think that it has. I mean, you're going to see voting rights particularly, you know, now with, with the gutting of Section 5, like that was one of the reasons why, uh, in addition to uh, H.R. 1, I've been like, you know, going on the television shows and talking to people about the importance of, of John Lewis Voting Rights Act. 
And the reason why is because in states like mine, we need to, if we don't do anything else, we just need to put the guardrails back up on Section 5 uh, uh, so Republicans can't do things like pass these laws. If we had Section 5 put back in place, the Republicans wouldn't even be trying to pass this law because they know they'd have to get it cleared through a uh, through the DOJ and the Biden administration. So they would be working on something else. If they if the Republicans knew that um, uh, that they were going to have to deal with Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, they wouldn't try to cram three new Republican seats into a state where the minority population is growing rapidly and the white population is probably going to decline by 2% when the census numbers come out later today. Uh, but what you're going to see them do is that they're literally going to draw, if we don't put the guardrails back up, three new seats, Republican seats in Texas. They're going to uh, uh, take away a Hispanic opportunity seat, and they are going to draw uh, two more Republican seats, one in the Dallas-Fourth area and another one probably in the uh, in the Houston uh, area. Uh, and so, you know, that's, you know, what we are looking at today. And, um, and, and uh, you know, I don't think that we're going to go back, you know, again to, uh, you know, how many bubbles in a bar of soap or anything like that, which was definitely, uh, you know, pre-Edmund Pettus. But I think that you're going to try to see them do it, you know, the Lee Atwater way, that you're going to yeah. try to see them be very clever about it and, you know, it probably is not going to disenfranchise as many people that were disenfranchised be- before Edmund Pettus. But in some of these elections, you don't need that many votes. I mean, look, Florida yeah, was decided yeah. by how, how many votes in mm-hmm, 2000. Right, right. So if you can just, like, prevent a few people from voting, uh, then, you know, mission accomplished. It's just like one of the uh, one of the Republicans that were trying to get the voter ID passed in Texas. I was in the state legislature. He came to me on the House floor. And he said, Mark, why are you worried about this? This bill isn't going to cause any House Black Caucus members to lose. That's what, that's what, that's what we were in the State House instead of the CBC. We're HBC, the House Black Caucus. It's not going to cause any House Black Caucus members to lose their seats. And what, what basically what he was saying is that, yeah, maybe some white guy that's a Democrat in a, in a swing district, it may cost him, but it's not going to cost you guys. So why are you fighting this so hard? Whoa, and because that, we have a totally different way of looking at the world. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, exactly. And so it doesn't take much. It does, you, don't, you don't have to disenfranchise at the same rate as you did in 1960. You don't, you don't have to in a state, again, where the presidency was decided by a handful of votes in right. a couple of Florida counties. All you need to do is just skim a few votes off the top and, uh, and and suppress the rights of people uh, uh and and you know and you've won and that's what we're up against right now right. look at look at how close it was in georgia look how close it was uh in uh in arizona look how close it was in wisconsin so just imagine if you can if you could figure out a way to just stop one percent of african americans in milwaukee voting you will have done a lot in Wisconsin by just stopping 1% from voting. Congressman, uh, I want to thank you for joining us and explaining this to us and also all of the work that you are doing both at home in Texas and in Washington to stop it. Please keep us up to date. Uh, We love hearing from you and stay safe. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Y'all stay safe too. 
Thanks for listening to the Signal Boost podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more news.